Hey there, welcome back to Grace for Your Journey. So glad that you are with us. If you're new, welcome on in. Man, so glad that you're here. Well, we're going through the book of 1 Kings. Now, why are we doing that? Because it's an unbelievable story. True story, by the way, of Solomon taking over from David and how the kingdom of God advances under new leadership. Now, if you've ever been in a, in a business or a church where there's been change, you're going to want to be a part of First and Second Kings. You're going to want to hear the story, walk with us through the story. If you've ever had to personally change because of some shifting circumstances in your life, you're going to want to hear First and Second Kings in the story. If you realize that people trapped or going through the process of change can slide away from the Lord and their faith, maybe you've been that person. I hope you haven't, but you might have. If you've ever been there, then you're going to want to be a part of the story of First and Second Kings. So here's what's happened. David has died. Solomon's become king. Solomon, in the first couple of chapters, has established his cabinet, if you will. Some guys he fired, some guys he got rid of. Then this unbelievable thing happens. God comes to Solomon in a dream and says, what do you want? And Solomon says, Lord, I want wisdom to lead your people. The job you've given me is huge. It's massive. I can't do it on my own. I need your wisdom, listen, to do your work, your way with your people. Every Christian leader should be praying that. God, give me wisdom to do your work, your way to lead your people. That, that's what Solomon prayed. And we see the results of it. God blessed him with that wisdom, so much so, we just looked at in chapter 4, the renown of his wisdom was global. People came from different countries just to hear him talk, just to seek his, his advice on areas of botany and zoology and, and different things. He was, he was adept and actually an expert at everything he thought about. There was nothing that escaped his mind. How beautiful is that? And so God said, because you asked for that, I'm going to give you this wisdom, and he did, but I'm going to give you everything else that you didn't ask for. That means money, wealth, right? Um, security, uh, peace, uh, you know, all these things that he didn't ask for. Long life, God gave him anyways because he asked rightly. He let his theology, his understanding of God and the task drive his prayer and his request. And whenever we do that, we pray the right way. So that's what he did. And so now we're in verse five and he's given a task. Now, and we're going to look a little bit about it. He was given the task to build the temple. This was a prophecy that was given to David. David's, David heard from the Lord, David, you're not going to build the temple, but your son will, your successor will. So this is something God's going to bring around and bring to fulfillment. And here's where we pick up in chapter five. So let's pick up the story and see what we learn. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram always loved David. See, when you follow great leaders, great things come. When, when you follow a great pastor, a great leader at, at your office, at your work, at your company, there's going to be goodwill surrounding the office. Now, it might not surround you personally, but people are going to remember there's institutional memory, right, of good things that went on around that person. And, and that's going to be true of you. And so Hiram reaches out to Solomon, man, because he loved David and he heard Solomon was now king. So it goes on and says this. Now, Solomon sent word to Hiram. Now, you know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord, um, his God, because of the warfare which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. So Solomon begins by saying, Hiram, you knew David, and you knew David was a warrior king, and you knew he fought a lot of people because everywhere around Israel, the kingdom that he was going to establish for the Lord, there, there, were, there was warfare. 
There were enemies of his soul, enemies of his life, enemies of the kingdom, and he was a fighting man. He was a man of blood. You Listen, and the other thing is, he was in a time of war. Great building, great things, great advancement doesn't happen in the presence of great conflict. It really does. When you're in conflict, you're thinking about surviving. You're just thinking about getting through the next day, right? It's like that in your life. It's like that in your business. It's like that in your church life. If you're in a church right now and your church is going through a lot of strife and struggle, man, I pray that's not true. I really do. But if you are, then here's what you know. In the midst of that strife and struggle, you're just thinking about surviving another day, another moment. You're not thinking about building and moving ahead, advancing the kingdom, seeing the gospel spread, doing great things for the cause of Christ. You're just thinking about staying afloat. If you're in a business and, man, your income's down, your cash flow's down, your debt is up, right? Your liabilities are increasing. The market share is reducing. You're not thinking about a lot of advancement necessarily, if you are, it's in the context of survival, right? It's not in the in the context of great vision. It's just how do I survive and get to the next step? And, and that's what's going on here. So he mentions that to Hiram. And then he goes on and he says this, But now the Lord, my God, uh, has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversity, right? There's, I don't have an adversary, nor do I have any misfortune. So someone goes on and says, look, I'm in a different spot than David. I can now begin to address the issue of the house of God, the place where God would come and forgive people of their sins. The most important reality in the Jewish uh, history and, and Jewish life is that temple and that holy of holies within that temple. Psalm is saying, look, I now have the opportunity to do this. So he goes on and says, and so now I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. As the Lord said to David, my father, Here's what the Lord said. It was a prophetic word. Your son whom I will send on your throne in your place shall build the house for my name. Now, therefore, command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants, and I will pay you for your servants uh, such wages as you set. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. So here's the last principle. You say, well, what does all that mean? Solomon says, the house of the Lord is vital. It's important. So if we're going to do it, we're going to do it with excellence, and we're going to do it right. Hiram, you got these group of people called the Sidonians. They were renowned, regionally, perhaps even globally renowned, as, as lumberjacks and as timbersmiths. That's what they called them back then, right? People who ran, you know, places where they cut timber. Not only did they cut the trees down correctly, but then they could cut the boards to precise measurement, to precise thickness and length. I mean, they were skilled at making boards and wood, and there was no one better. And so Solomon says, the house of the Lord is so important, Hiram. Here's the deal. You set the price for your servants. I'll pay them, and I'm going to send mine to help because we want the best for the house of the Lord. Why did he say that? I mean, we live in a day now where church buildings and, you know, buildings where churches gather are, are sort of regulated to insignificance in some people's mind, right? They're not that important. But understand this, what Solomon was building was the place where God would come on the Day of Atonement, consume the offering, if it was an acceptable offering, and forgive the people of their sins. There's nothing more important than the forgiveness of sins. Nothing. Nothing more important than your sins and my sins being forgiven. Now, Today, we get that through faith in Christ alone because of what Christ did on the cross, right? In his resurrection, we place our faith and trust that we get that forgiveness of sins. It wasn't true back then. They had to do this sacrificial system, and it was going to be in that temple. 
Now, here's the takeaway. When you do things for the Lord, do them the best you possibly can. If it takes a little extra money, fine. If it takes a little effort, fine. And if you're in conflict, ask the Lord to soothe and calm the conflict. Why? So you have peace of mind? Well, that's a good <laughs> that's a good thing, right? Did you have peace of mind? But no. So you can be back engaged and involved in the advancement of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Now, when you do this, you know what will happen? You'll have unbelievable grace for your journey. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you so much and thank you for today. And now, Lord, be with us as we live for you. Calm the storms and the wars and the battles that are around us. Not just so we have peace of mind, Lord, but so that we can re-engage with the advancement of the gospel and your truth throughout the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I sure hope you'll be with us next time as we continue telling the story of 1st and 2nd Kings, just like the Bible lays it out. I promise you when you do, you'll be blessed in every single way. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Grace for Your Journey podcast. I pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. Pass it around if you think it would help somebody. And we look forward to you dropping by again for another episode of the Grace for Your Journey podcast.